0: Hello, everyone. Welcome in. One, two, bad... Fo- oh, I forgot I was on the internet for a minute. You just got called out. That's what she said. You will get me made- meat made- made pies. Yes! Come on! <laughs> come on. Yay. It's pretty absurd. Bad Philosophy, episode 38, recorded on July 8th, 2009. Incremental Hope. Hello every welcome and one to bad philosophy upsetting the balance of reality one rabbit trail at a time on our 38th episode uh, we've got a a good panel on, on the show today I'd say um, a familiar guest but uh, one we always love having on the show Dr. Mark Webb
1: hello everybody
0: uh, Dr. Webb, you are a philosophy professor here at Texas Tech, right?
1: In fact, I am also brand new chair of the department.
0: Oh, for well, my sins, Your <laughs> Highness, we, we will uh, we will have to get you like some... kneel before Zod. We'll have to get you like some hors d'oeuvres or something. Hors <laughs> d'oeuvres. Hey, you know, they, if, not if it's not the
2: traditional. You've been promoted. Gift have some hors d'oeuvres. <laughs>
0: Sort <laughs> of cheese and crackers, anyway. Um, also, we've got uh, Numero No fanboy, Jed Cummins.
2: Hello, everyone. Um, yeah, I'm glad to be back on the show.
0: Yeah, uh, we, we've got you. Uh, we've got Jed recording on a, a separate channel today because we we have a shortage of microphones or, or means of input once again on, on Bad Philosophy. So he is recording on his his Dell Mini uh, Netbook.
2: So hopefully that works out better than the uh, lost episode. Exactly. Did you,
3: did you get the red one, Jed?
2: The red Dell Mini. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same one that I had when you were here.
3: <laughs> okay, I I don't know. Well, we we've, we've been looking at them more recently, so yeah. I just. I couldn't remember. Yeah.
0: And uh, apparently losing his memory, uh, Kevin Saunders joining us <laughs> over Skype. I've
3: been gone for, like, months. So I don't have to remember anything anymore. <laughs> where are you? I'm a college graduate. I don't have to remember things.
0: <laughs> uh, where, From <laughs> whence do you hail this week, Kevin?
3: Um, at, the, at the moment, I am in Birmingham, Alabama, uh, visiting some family out here. Um, after a relatively intense week or past four days of driving, Uh, Sunday morning, I got up with my father at about 5 a.m., hit the road by 6, and drove to Louisville, Kentucky, Um, stayed the night there with some friends, and then finished the trip to Oxford, Ohio on Monday morning, which is where I will be uh, attending graduate school in the fall.
0: Crazy. Nice. And then
3: we're, we're making kind of our trip back over the latter half of the week.
0: Now, that's uh, Miami University or University of Miami. I forget which Miami one. Miami
3: University. Miami University. The University of Miami is, is in Miami. Miami. That's right. why it's the University of Miami.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they get that a lot.
3: That's like the University de Miami, you know, or Leonardo of Vinci. Of Vinci. Right.
0: <laughs> oh, how silly of me, of course. Um, Latin for... And uh, speaking of traveling, uh, Dr. Webb, you just got back from some uh, some traveling yourself. Uh, I went did went a little bit farther. Why don't you tell us about uh, your recent vacation to the uh, wilds of of Eastern Europe? <laughs> Yikes!
1: Um, well, yeah, uh, as part of a small group uh, doing a kind of a goodwill interfaith dialogue tour, um, I went to uh, first Istanbul, which is fast becoming one of my favorite places to be. Mm. Uh, And from there to to Tbilisi, Georgia, uh, where I met the mother of President Shalikashvili. Cool. And she's a cool lady, and she's involved in all kinds of international, interfaith, intercultural dialogue efforts, too. Uh, Traveled around Georgia for a while, then uh, Azerbaijan, then Kazakhstan, and I have stories to tell about that. (laughs) Uh, Then back to southeast uh, Turkey for uh, a little while. And then uh, I got to uh, teach a class in Spain for four weeks. So uh, it's all been wonderful, but damn, I'm glad to be home.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. What's, what's been, the, uh, what's been the, the best part about being back? What did you miss the most?
1: Oh, my own bed and my cats <laughs> and, I don't know, for the last four weeks, my wife. I'm sorry that... Aww. She's the third thing I mentioned. Um, oh, oh well. she
0: did, she traveled with you for the first part. She, of this. Yeah, she
1: was with me on the uh, Eurasia, Central Asia, part of the tour. Very cool. But she did not want to stay gone so long, so mm-hmm. she missed Spain. That's all right. I'll cool. go back sometime with her and show her all the neat things.
0: <laughs> well,
1: so there
0: was a there was a specific. Um, Kind of like a mission you were going on, right? Or, or a program that you were a part of. Um, yeah. Why don't you explain a little bit more about that?
1: Okay. Um, there is, uh, there is a, a movement afoot these days among Turkish Muslims. Uh, and it's now spread beyond Turkey and beyond Muslims. Um, it's um, sometimes called the Hizmet Movement. Hizmet is the Turkish word for service. Hmm. Um, inspired by uh, a Sufi named Fatullah Gülen. Um, some of our some of our listener may have uh, heard of him i don't know but one of the things they do uh, is they're very interested in education they're very interested in in building schools and uh, they, they think that uh, education in particular education in values universal values they're very clear to say not just muslim values mm. is the key to making a better world and it really seems to be making a big difference uh, in turkey and beyond and it's um, it's all run in sort of grassroots way by mostly Turkish businessmen who have been successful, and they put their resources back into this, into building schools and other educational institutions and hospitals. And one of the things they do is they invite people, especially people from America, to come on these tours of Turkey and now other places to visit the schools and meet the people and see how the movement is working. And uh, I have been this is this will be my fourth. Gulen movement tour of Turkey and other parts.
0: So do they pay for you to go over there for the entire experience, or do you have to pay your way?
1: Well, um, When they first started this business, they were paying everything. It was absolutely free, uh, but now they ask that you pay your airfare over there, mm-hmm. and then they take care of everything else. That's some, fantastic. some of the businessmen are hotel owners, and they donate their rooms, and some of them are restaurant owners, and they donate their food, and others just you know give money, or or you know, take part as guides and there's uh, um, all kinds of different ways people contribute to this effort.
0: And the expectation, I guess, is sort of uh, a reciprocity. You're, you're then supposed to go out and kind of spread the word about the movement, uh, maybe support it financially if you can, that sort of thing? Or?
1: Well, actually, they, they're they very clear that they don't expect anything in return. Which, wow. But, of course, they do get... Stuff in return I mean, yeah <laughs> everybody that's been on these trips gushes about how generous and and open hearted uh, uh, these people are and how much difference it's making in the world but uh occasionally they have uh, they have asked us to be interviewed for you know Turkish TV things like that but yeah there's there's absolutely no uh, no expectation of any kind of uh, of return huh it's very strange wow it's yeah I mean it's for I've been for the longest time like most Americans really cynical <laughs> about human nature and about the <laughs> possibilities for for improvement and that kind of thing's really sort of slapped me out of my complacency.
0: That's it's it's pretty inspiring to hear about stuff like that going on. I mean, I I as you were talking I was trying to think of of analogies here in the United States and just no, nothing really on that scale comes to mind
1: we don't do that stuff that's right, right. i was mean, I, I wrote We're a not a, that
0: nice yeah I,
1: <laughs> I wrote a paper about this uh in fact gave it at a conference um, about whether this sort of whether these sorts of uh activities or techniques uh, could could be applied here and I think they could but but you know as Americans we think when there's a when there's a social problem we think we need a government program to fix that.
0: Precisely, yeah. And, you
1: know, I don't want to sort of sound like a conservative who says we should never do that. I think that's a good way to handle a lot of problems. But they don't think of it that way. They think, let's get together and pool our resources to do something. Huh. And there are things that government can't do or doesn't do very well that we perfectly well could do. So, for example, in uh, in southeast Turkey... Uh, they've built schools, but one of the problems is that kids in the surrounding villages, in the in the villages around the big towns, uh, they can't build a school in every village. So one of the things they've done is they built dormitories, and kids from the villages can come stay in the dormitories for free and go to the schools. And for places where there's a sort of a history of uh, of uh, bad social services and bad education. They've built these what they call study rooms where kids from any of the schools, including the public ones, can come in the afternoons after school or on the weekends and do extra study. Huh? And they have, uh, they have a national exam for entrance into college, and so they've built these uh, institutions to help people prepare for that exam. And it's really done a lot to sort of equalize. You know, Eastern Turkey is very poor. Western Turkey is very prosperous. It's done a lot to sort of equalize opportunities all over Turkey. Yeah. So I was thinking, you know, why couldn't we do that? Why couldn't, well, I couldn't. I don't have a lot of money. But <laughs> why don't? Why couldn't people have goodwill with money? Say, look, by God, we're going to build a study house in some poor neighborhood and invite kids from disadvantaged families and schools to come and get extra tutoring there.
3: Mm. Uh, well, um, well, we do have something a little bit like that. Um, not, I, I don't know a whole lot about it, but the uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Has something? Has from what I know of it, is part of their what they do is trying to and to educate you know people of lesser ability and ability opportunity is mm-hmm. the word. Yeah, um, they've got things like that. I uh, mind you, it's not a huge. Well, I, I don't know how big it is, but I'm, I'm aware of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. I'm sure, and that's something where it is. You know, they said, "Hey, look at all this money we have that we're not using.
1: <laughs> yeah, right.
3: Let's do something else with it. Um, without." necessary, you know, necessarily a government, you know, imposed. We need to fix this situation.
1: Yeah, this is another sort of feature of how we do things here that's different, though, which is we, we, you know, we look to people of huge resources to exactly. start foundations.
0: Mm-hmm. What this sounds like is a much more distributed uh, means of, of providing yeah. these services.
1: Yeah, and these guys, mm-hmm. uh, I, I met with when I was at a conference in Kiev. I met to the Turkish community there. And they meet like once a week in somebody's house and they have tea and they talk and they decide what needs to be done and who's going to volunteer to do what part of it.
0: Is there really like a hierarchy involved here? Uh, uh, well, there must be some kind. I mean, there, there's no way to, to coordinate efforts
1: otherwise. Yeah, right? I, I don't know exactly how it works, but uh, I know there's not a kind of a top-down hierarchy. Okay. But what there, what there is is um, in each... This is how I understand it. In each town, there's sort of a guy who's in charge that has been sort of elected, I guess, by the other members of the movement in that town who coordinates things with people in other towns. You know, they have this word in Turkish, abi, which means older brother. Mm -hmm. And that's what they call the the guys, the businessmen who run the thing. They call them older brother. And so they'll say, um, well, say, I need to go to Singapore for some reason, but I don't know anybody there. I can call up the Abbies in this, in Lubbock and say do we have Abbies in Singapore and they'll check it out and <laughs> and somebody'll meet me at the airport and maybe even put me up and Wow. So it's this sort of international network of support.
0: Yeah, that's that's an, another thing I wanted to ask about. This is beyond Turkey. Like yeah. this is this is out It's know, everywhere. everywhere. In fact,
1: in fact, towns in Turkey have adopted countries. <laughs> so uh um let's see which one was. It? I think it was Eliza, which is a, a poor town in southeast Turkey. The uh, the group of uh, sponsors, businessmen, abi is there, have adopted Vietnam, huh. and they're working with the government now to get permission to build some schools there. There are schools in Cambodia and in Russia and in all over Africa, huh. um, Pakistan. There's a, a, one of the one of the guys in the movement sort of had, got a hard time because he built a school in Pakistan and he was not uh, sufficiently. Uh, Hard line for the for the locals there, hmm. but that's one of the ways it makes a difference, right? It gives people a, an alternative to the sort of hard line stuff.
0: Well, I, I'm curious how how the support comes outside of, of Turkey, um, especially in areas where there isn't a strong um, Turkish immigrant presence. Um, for instance, Lubbock. Like, what's what's the presence of the Hizmet movement here?
1: Well, uh, they're here. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, mostly. Uh, mostly the guys here are graduate students and graduates of tech mm-hmm. who have stayed and started businesses. Uh, they've opened a school. There's a charter school here, which is one of those Hizmet schools. Yeah. Um, there's a Turkish cultural center where they, uh, you know, they can sort of have their events and dinners and meetings, things like that. We don't have many obbies here because we don't have a whole lot of uh, you know, big, successful businessmen. There are some. Uh, but, but, uh, mostly we're sort of part of the Texas network. So we're, okay. we're, associated with the Institute of Interfaith Dialogue in Houston, which is one of the earlier, <clears throat> uh, sort of incarnations of this movement in Texas.
2: Huh. Jed, do you had a comment? Yeah, I was going to ask, you mentioned it was sort of a values-based education. What, what type of values are they, you know, you, I think it was before the show actually when you said, um. You know, it was more of a global, you know, not specific to uh, to any one religion or faith. Universal values. Yeah, universal. Yeah. So, you know, what can you talk a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah. Um, I, actually, I've been trying to uh, do some research on this. And uh, one of the, like I told you, I'd been on four of these trips. The third one was uh, I was invited to do research, in fact, on how the schools work in southeast Turkey. And uh, that's one of the things I was asking. What are these values? What motivates you? Is it possible that, uh, is this movement a movement of Muslims and Turks, or is it a movement of people of goodwill everywhere? And I was trying to sort of probe to see if maybe there were some soft spots, maybe some contradictions. Well, for one thing, I got the idea they're very comfortable with anybody motivated anyway being part of the movement. So there are Buddhist people in the in the Cambodian uh, schools now. Uh, so
0: it's very much a, a pluralist approach to, to religion for them. Yeah. Okay.
1: And they specifically say universal. I mean, Vatula Gulen, the sort of heart and soul and inspiration of the movement, is uh, he's uh, he's talks about universal values. He wants to make sure that nothing depends on Islam, but. All these guys are motivated by their Islam. You ask them why they're doing it. They quote the Quran. They quote uh, you know the Hadith about the Prophet. Uh, so there's a kind of a tension there. It's a little weird. Yeah, because
0: uh, I, I would think that a lot of certainly a lot of Christian groups around here would be a little bit wary of um, a very seemingly Muslim-oriented group coming in and wanting to set up schools for, for all kids, underprivileged yeah. kids. You yeah. know? That that sort of fear of being having them indoctrinated into Islam. and
1: Well, know. that's a worry. A lot of the secular Turks worry about that with the schools in Turkey. They mm. think it really is a front for Islamism. I don't think it is. I mean, from my observation, I don't think these guys are Islamists. I just can't imagine. Um, but Uh, I can sort of see the nervousness, yeah. Because even if they really are sincere about universal values, they really are sincere about being as secular as possible. They are devoted Muslims, and it's going to be hard for them not to cross that line from time to time. I think we've seen
0: the same thing in in efforts, um, you know, local local community efforts related to Christianity. I mean, if a Christian group starts up sort of a a community center, they're going to sort of, you know, they're going to have. Sunday school, oftentimes, or they're they're going to ha- to draw uh, inspiration from biblical stories to yeah. kind of to kind of guide the the teaching of the kids, and even if they
1: try not to. Yeah, right, right. It's
0: um. because it's always going to be in the back of their minds. Yeah. There. Well, it's it's
3: um, hard not to. I mean, generally, religion is something that is that is a huge part of your life. I mean, it's a, a powerful motivator, and theoretically, almost everything you do. And so even if you're trying to be as open as possible and, and being, you know, accepting of anyone and everyone, your values and your beliefs are going to be influenced by that. Whether even if it's not if it's not obvious, it doesn't look like that, it, it's going to happen eventually. Yeah,
1: uh-huh. yeah. Well, I think the big hope, though, comes from the fact that it really is, the movement really is drawing people of all kinds in. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, I'm I've been up front with them. I'm I'm out as an agnostic to these people, mm-hmm. and they still call me Mark Abbey, Uh even <laughs> though I, you know I haven't given them a buck. But you know, I do various things in support of the movement, right? And I, but I, I let them know, you know, it's, this is uh, my motivations are not the same as your motivations. It just happens that we respect the same values. And no, I think, insofar way, as they um, keep bringing people in from you know if they, if they keep bringing in Buddhists and Christians and and atheists and agnostics into the movement that 's going to act as a check. I think mm-hmm. the problem in Turkey mm-hmm. is that they are all in fact Muslims, and so there isn 't a check on on that sort of uh, slipping over the line
0: Gotcha now, you said uh, you' all respect the same values mm-hmm. um, in kind of in what <laughs> sense do y'all Respect the same values. How how can you kind of pull out values separate from the religion in which they from which they originate?
1: Yeah, this is the question I tried to dodge earlier. <laughs> yeah,
0: I caught you. What are
1: these <laughs> values exactly? Yeah. Well, let me let me give you, let me give let me first tell you a place where, when I was investigating this, I found a sort of a problem there, mm-hmm. and then let me tell you places where I think it it does work. So first of all. I, you know, I talked to, when I was interviewing people at the schools, I talked to principals, I talked to teachers, I talked to parents, uh, and I asked them, so, you know, what is it about these teachers? They, they hire teachers who are good moral examples as well as good teachers. Mm. What is it about them that makes them such good examples? And the only thing everybody could agree on is they don't smoke. <laughs> I thought, is that, is that how deep the values go? Is that it? Huh. Uh, but, you know, if you press them, the teachers also, you know, uh, work 20-hour days, and they have this incredible dedication to their teaching. But that, again, that's not about moral values. That's about the teaching. Yeah. But uh, if you look at um, the sort of literature they produce and, they, and, and how they talk to one another, you ask them, so what exactly are these values you can get with probing, things like honesty, honesty. And courage, and uh, loyalty, and uh, you this is know,
0: sounding very Aristotelian. D- devotion to your family. Well, <laughs> yeah. right. I mean, it
1: turns out to be an awful lot like just sort of virtue ethics. Yeah. What makes a good person? That's the kind of thing we want to model for the kids.
0: O- almost Confucian. Even a lot of this is reminding me of, of Confucian yeah. ideals. Well, you know, um, Confucius
1: and Aristotle are. Uh, well, I think they're the same guy. You never see them together. <laughs>
0: no. But uh, also the, um, the the spirit of wanting to educate the public and, and figuring that yeah. education is the way to kind of fix society. Yeah, it's funny. Um, it's
1: the, the the paper I was talking about that I gave at a conference, that's how I started it. I started it by saying, you know, what kinds of, Suppose you thought there was a big problem in society. What kinds of strategies might you have for trying to fix it? Right. And I used the Chinese philosophical systems as kind of a framework. You might... You might think uh, you intervene at the level of political institutions, like the legalists. You make mm-hmm. strong rulers, strong laws, and that will fix everything. Or you might think you intervene at the level of the individual and you try to educate them to virtue. That's the Confucian idea. Yeah. Or you might think, uh, well, people are all screwed up and you have to just sort of give up on the project. And that's the Taoist sort of <laughs> idea. Right? And the Gulen movement fits squarely in that, that Confucian tradition. That, hmm. uh, that but what's wrong is people are not... Uh, uh, haven't had uh, haven't had good education,
0: mm-hmm. so, but but it doesn't it doesn't claim uh, overtly to have any any connections with Confucius, right? And, yeah. Right.
1: Though, of if course. other people than I have noticed this connection, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, it doesn't owe anything historically to Confucius. I'm virtually certain,
2: right, Jed? So, so, how does it?
1: I mean, you know, you've mentioned that there are at least some
2: there's at least some sort of foundation for the group here in the states. Mm-hmm. Um, how do how do you think that that you know in the u s it's much more of a if we have a social problem, we're going to rely on the government or we're going to rely on the economy we're i mean obviously, if you look at the past year or so that we just dump money into it <laughs> yeah. hope that hope that fixes it yeah. but you know how do you think that as as a nation you know I would say that's a fairly you know I don't feel that way, but a lot of people do feel that, oh, the government will fix it, or if we have a better economy, that will fix
1: it. How do you feel that those ideals kind of conflict, or do they? Yeah, it's, it's actually kind of a problem. The places where the, the Hizmet movement has had the most success are places where the government is less involved mm-hmm. in, in taking care of people's basic needs. Uh, so that model fits very well in places that are poor or, or disadvantaged. Uh, but not in, in, in
0: places like America, where we have government yeah, schools. Right. It, has to, it
1: has to find another way to work yeah. in America and in like Western Europe, right, where we've got these social welfare uh, systems that are very well developed. Mm. Uh, but I mean, I think they can. There are places in the even in the social welfare network that are that are sort of cracks that things fall through. Uh, for example, I just met somebody recently. Uh, uh, she and her husband uh, endow a scholarship through the philosophy department here, and one of the things she does is she works with a group in Albuquerque who takes care of homeless kids to make sure they get to school. Because you know one, it's very hard to, if you don't have a home, you don't have a home address, <laughs> yeah. As and so you you and you're just less motivated to try to go to school. So they keep these kids in supplies and make sure they get to school. And uh, they do it with a huge government grant, a federal Mm -hmm. grant, and that's another way we do things, even if if the system itself doesn't handle it, then we build an institution using federal money, federal grant money. And I asked her, you know, how about this? How about we build a dormitory for these kids to live in? And then they're sort of easier to keep track of and keep clean and keep fed and, you know, keep... Well, it's Maslow's hierarchy,
2: almost. Yeah, just yeah looking exactly. looking at, well, if they're fed and have a place to stay, then, yeah, education is next. Then they can start level looking level. at yeah. the next... Yeah, exactly, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, she laughed at me. Uh, really? I don't know why. But huh. see, that's exactly the kind of thing the Gulen movement would do. If, if we had a, a, you know, a group of these guys in Albuquerque, they, they might go, well, uh, I got a construction company. I'll donate this and, you know, I can do that and I can pay for some furniture and... And they would they would do it. I mean, it's kind of like the old, uh, I'm going to show my age here in a minute, uh, the old sort of Mickey Rooney, Judy Garland movies, you know. Let's put on a show. My dad's got a barn. And, oh, know, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's just sort of this good kind of gung ho, uh, let's do it uh, kind of spirit, which is so cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, very much. Uh, going but you'd to have to, I
1: mean, the, the places where there would be opportunities for that kind of thing is, are different from. From other countries, yeah, and so they have to sort of make that shift.
0: Kevin, what do you think of all this? Uh, I think it would be
3: great if people actually got up and and did that sort of stuff. You know, you'd like talking the Mickey Rooney idea, um, but there's there's an inherent laziness that you'll find in Americans, and, and that's a very very broad generic statement that I probably shouldn't make. <laughs> yeah, but,
0: we've made it before. Don't worry,
3: yeah. <laughs> but people. Um, I think Jed kind of mentioned it, too, is there, there's this feel of, well, someone else will take care of that. I don't have to do it. I don't have to give up my stuff because someone else can do it for me. Um, especially, um, you know, we're seeing nowadays tied in some of the current political things going on in the U.S. with the executive branch spending more and more of my future money every day to to fix things. Hey,
1: that's not your money. Put that down. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's somebody's money. Yeah. And, and they, it, didn't, it doesn't just appear out of nowhere.
1: That's true.
0: Well, so, when, <laughs> or it does. Or it <laughs> <is>. <laughs> well,
3: but okay, you know, you look at, a, at a, a nationalized healthcare system or a nationalized, let's say, education system. Where we've got it set up in the U.S., where everyone, every you, you know, American citizen and a lot of non-American citizens um, use the public school system because it's there, it's free. So why should we set up these other newer, better schools for people who can't get it? Uh, mind you, it's American specific, and we don't have, we're not helping anyone abroad because they're not Americans. <laughs> um, whether or not you know they're actually in trouble or not is different. But I, and I think that the. You know, getting rid of some of that stuff might help, and and even just showing how ineffective a lot of that is. You know, we've talked about the the current government-run school system in the past on this show, and, yeah, and my yeah. feelings thereof. Yeah.
1: Well, they have uh, exactly the same um, kind of problem in Turkey. In fact, that the mm-hmm. the secular government schools are well, you know, some of them are effective, some of them are not, and uh, by and large. Uh, uh, Turkish public it just sort of dip, just relies on them um, yeah and so one of the things that the the Hizmet movement has had to do they, they start the private schools but they're not private schools like you have to pay a ton of money to get into them
3: mm-hmm. they're just they're privately funded by other people
1: yeah and one of the things that happens is people move from one school to the other right people move from the public schools to the private schools I talked to a mm-hmm. lot of kids who had done that and they talked about the difference and really, the only difference—the curriculum's the same. By law, it has to be. Oh, okay. Uh, the 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 requirements, uh, qualifications for teachers are the same. The only difference is the amount of work the teachers put in.
0: So you think you would say that the teachers in the Hizmet movement are a lot more self-motivated?
1: They're a lot more motivated yeah. to yeah to to provide a good education.
0: Hmm. Why do you think that is?
1: Beats the hell out of me. <laughs> I, I wish I knew.
2: <laughs> do you think that? I mean. It strikes me as, you know, it is, it is becoming more of a, I guess, widespread movement. But do you think that it has something to do with the size of, you know, I mean, it still seems very, fairly, you know, I hadn't heard about it until you started talking about it. So it's not ubiquitous by any yeah. means. Yeah, right, um,
1: right. It's, it's relatively new to America. Yeah. Right. It's been in Turkey since 1980, which is not all that long, really. Yeah. Uh-huh. But it really took off uh, uh, late 90s, I guess. And so, so, do you feel like that? You know,
2: it's still in that you know infancy stage where it is really growing, and that's
1: why everyone is so devoted to it, and it's working so well. Or it, could you, be, yes, or, it could be, yes, it could be. I mean, one of the things that uh, I wonder about is uh, they've really turned a corner now that they're around the world. Yeah. You know? and yeah. As long as it was sort of monolithically Turks and Muslims, then they could agree on ninety-nine percent of you know, what to do and how to do it. They start bringing other people in there's going to be disagreements about fundamental matters of strategy uh, and it I think it's going to start fragmenting, which is kind of sad
0: well it sounds like it it already sort of has I mean you described that one incident earlier uh, in in Pakistan right or yeah, yeah 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 so it 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 sounds like that that's the the initial um, harbingers are there,
1: yeah. No, is, is that something
0: that can, that's going to
3: happen with just about any any sort of group like this, which is you know, kind of decentralized, open to you know, they they don't have a a single, you know, powerful idea behind. it? I mean, there's there is an idea, but there's a lot of disagreements on the the no, no. little details thereof that you're going to have to have a critical mass uh, at some point.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, they really are. I haven't said anything about Fatullah Gulen himself. I mean, he really is a charismatic figure, and he writes and publishes. He doesn't direct anybody to do anything, but by golly, they are devoted to him.
0: Okay, so and they he take is sort his, of the the head figurehead of the movement. Yeah,
1: right. I mean, yeah, he's not in charge of anything, but he what what he says has a lot of weight, and it's because of his status as a, as a Sufi and a teacher of Quran. So, right. I mean, think as the movement. Brings in people who are motivated differently, his influence is going to wane
0: unless he consolidates power at this point. Which do you see him doing something like that?
1: No, really not. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, for one thing, he's very old. He's very sick, and we probably won't have him for very much Uh. longer. But even if we did, I don't think I don't think he's got the kind of uh, power or influence that he could that he could consolidate that way. I mean, it's just, things are just out of his control. They're not in his control.
0: Well, I think you you hit on, on something, Kevin, with just the, the fact that this is maybe inherent to any sort of movement of this type. Yeah. I, I, I would, would like say, to
1: hear a sociologist talk about that, There's these sort of stages to yeah. development of these movements. Do they, do they come apart like this necessarily and you know, bring the seeds to, to new movements? I feel like it, I mean, I'll pull my computer scientist
2: card and, you know, draw a parallel to like an open source software project, say like I'm thinking about Linux, um, Mm -hmm. is probably the most, uh, widespread example of that. You know, it did start out as a core group of people and really had a purpose. And then, you know, folks came in who had a different idea about where they wanted it to go and it forked the project, um, you know, into many different forked directions. It all off, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> forked you know, forked being multi-tined, not, no, not, a, not anything else. <laughs>
1: um, um, you know, I think that's probably a good analogy. It's the same sort of thing, that you, you start out with a kind of a unity, uh, but uh, people, can, people can repurpose, you know, something that's, mm-hmm. been, that's been invented for one purpose. They can turn it to another purpose.
0: Well, and I think it, it stems mainly from, um, like you said, the the diversity of ideals. Um, when you have mm. people coming from different backgrounds, they're going to, to hold uh, different values for different ideas. And uh, I mean, unless there's, unless there's some agreed upon <clears throat> uh, mission statement uh, or some such at the very beginning that's just set in stone and, and unalterable, um, people are going to want to change that that central yeah. value. Yeah. Um, I think you know Christian uh, denominations realized this a long time ago when they said, you know, we're going to come up with a one <laughs> sentence that describes exactly what we believe, and we are going to propagate that without question.
1: Yep, that um, was the beginning of the end, right there. Yeah, well, um, it, <laughs> the Pope was but, right. You know, you translate the Bible into the vernacular, and all bets are off. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. They actually start um, reading for themselves. <laughs>
0: But I think, you know, in, in one sense, uh, yeah, it does it does lead to the, the sort of disillusion of these these really good things. But on the other hand, I, co- I kind of see um, the good propagating still, even if there's not, you know, one central motivator uh, behind it.
1: That's my hope. My hope is that people can learn from the model, and even if they disagree about what motivates them and maybe disagree about some of the values, they still have this model for doing good that they, you know... I would, never have, uh, I would never have concerned myself with this stuff until I saw this sort of, uh, I call it incremental hope. Right? You've got huh. this, uh, instead of having hope for a big change that's going to save everything, you think, I can make a small difference right here, and that will make things better, and, and then somebody else will make another small difference, and it adds up. So I, I look now for opportunities to do a small amount of good.
0: Well, that that kind of brings
1: the us smallest back. Smallest I can possibly. No, sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's. Uh, well, I was going to say that that kind of brings us around to one of the the questions we had at the beginning, which you know, we're we're kind of then assuming that there is this good that you know, no matter what you what differences you may have as far as your cultural or your upgr- upbringing or your education, that there is are these sort of universals that mm. um, can maybe take different forms, but that that do propagate throughout whatever mode you choose. Um, you know, be it be it this kind of generosity or uh, compassion, these these sort of yeah. basic but um, still powerful um, values. And do you think I, I know this is getting into to some some uh, ethics here? But do you think that those do exist, kind of independent of any system, or that we just sort of tend toward those, but we don't really have a clear articulation of them, or what?
1: well i'm no ethicist uh, and I don't even play one on TV but uh, i have I have always been a, a moral realist uh, I just cannot make sense of the idea of morality otherwise, and so I think there are truths you can be you can be wrong about what's right or wrong mm-hmm. uh, where it comes from I mean whether it's a sort of separately existing thing that there are these values that are sort of metaphysically separate or maybe they arise out of human nature somehow uh, or you know i toyed with the idea when i was a young brash graduate student (laughs) that maybe you could make a moral system out of just suffering is bad and what i wish for myself i ought to wish for others that are relevantly like me well, can you? I know what I. I don't think so anymore. I don't, <laughs> probably it's been tried, but um, but so that would be kind of a naturalistic, uh, you know, just start with the idea that, that um, I'm entitled not to like suffering. Yeah. And so if I think somebody's like me in the right way, I I am I should also be motivated to prevent their suffering and so on. So maybe that's a, maybe that's the foundation for moral values. It
0: certainly seems like that 's what the the people in the hizmet moving are are looking at they 're saying there there 's this suffering going on. it may not be physical suffering, but these these kids out there they're they 're lacking that ability to have an education, so you know we 're going to do what we can yeah. to uh to to stop that suffering yeah, i think it 's interesting
1: on. that that 's what that 's the first thing they want to do, and the second thing they want to do is build hospitals
0: right, right? to to prevent the physical suffering,
1: yeah. Yeah, and treat that uh, so uh, but yeah, i mean I think uh but I'm so sure I'm inclined of to think, way. even you know, whether you know, whatever moral theory is true, if any, um, <laughs> there's a there is a huge amount of agreement. I mean, we we notice the disagreements among cultures about what's good and bad, but what we don't notice is there's a vast bedrock of agreement behind it all. So even if it's sort of culturally relative or you know decided by consensus or something, there's still that huge amount of agreement that could be the basis for, for joint action.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but, yeah, I think you have to assume some truths about values for this sort of thing to, to work. You can't, you can't be just sort of a simple-minded relativist and say, whatever I believe is true. And so, you know, right now I believe that taking your wallet is good. <laughs> um, but I don't believe
0: that you taking mine is good. Right, exactly. That's <laughs> the beauty of relativism. It doesn't
1: yeah. have to be consistent. <laughs> right. Uh,
0: Kevin, it sounds like you had a comment on this. Did I? I'm
3: sorry. I I appear to be more tired than I think I am, so I'm a little slow on the
0: upkeep. I'm curious, just on a side note, what's all the the commotion going on in the background there? Uh, That would be
3: a a dog playing with a toy, among other things. Okay. (laughs) On the particularly loud moments, I've tried to cover my microphone, but...
0: It's okay. I can just
3: not always successful.
1: It, <laughs> it makes it seem so genuine yeah. and real.
3: Yeah, you know, I really am here in Alabama with family.
0: <laughs> well, so. I, I, I'm kind of, I don't know. I, I, I kind of like the the idea of there there being these universals that are they're shared across cultures. But I think as a as a philosophically rigorous. System, it really hasn't been fleshed out. I don't think by anyone within the Hizmet movement has
1: it. <laughs> no, I mean they're they're actually not terribly interested in theory. <laughs> yeah, they're
0: they're more just like let's let's put that aside. Let's go and help people. Right. I mean, it, and that, and that I, may
1: not be a
3: bad thing to do either. Is you know why, why worry about the the absolute specifics of what we want or you know what is the perfect way to do something or you know is this not quite nice enough when you know we can get down to the nitty gritty and say people need to be educated people need hospitals
1: yeah yeah and exactly. and you
3: know if you don't if you disagree don't put money into the hospital
1: right. Yeah, exactly exactly
0: well they're really not interested in the in the people that disagree with them they'll just you know, go <laughs> they're <laughs> right. interested in the Gosh, people that, that, that right. are right, to help right. Them. if you, yeah. if
1: you disagree with us then okay you're not part of this this plan i mean maybe we'll have you over for dinner and maybe you'll yeah. be interesting but so you won't join with us in this project big right. deal go do your own project
0: hmm. yeah and it's kind of a nice, a nice world that we live in, where that that can happen. That everybody can kind of do their own thing to to a certain extent. Yeah. Uh, there's not, there's nobody o- over there going. You know, you don't, you don't have this worked out rigorously, or we don't agree with with your ideas, so you have to get out of here.
1: Right, right, right. I mean, uh, I, I have often wondered if there are any. What I'd really like to find is some ex-members of the movement. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know how yeah, to that find would be them. Intriguing.
0: <laughs> well, do you know if a, a large number of them exist or? Well, I know that there
1: are some. I oh. don't know. I don't know how many, <laughs> but I know there are some. And you know there's also this is, this is in Turkey there's uh uh certain kinds of people who are not welcome in the movement really.
0: Huh. Okay. What kinds would those be?
1: Well, uh let me give you an example. Um, I was visiting a school in uh, Diyarbakir, a very old town in southeast Turkey. And it happened that while I was there, they were having their annual festival. And they, you know, It's like a kind of a fair. They do all kinds of uh, you know, food and games and uh, stuff like that. And people that graduated from the school will frequently come back to visit at the time of the festival. <laughs> and one of the teachers grabbed me by the shoulder and said, I want you to meet someone. And he took me over to meet this young man. And my gaydar went off. <laughs> and the teacher said, can you believe it? This man is 30 years old and he just now found a woman he will share his life with. And the guy rolled his eyes at me. <laughs> and I thought, uh-huh. he lives, this guy, you know, he moved away from Diyarbakir, which is in the southeast and very conservative, to Izmir, a very sort of wide open western uh, industrial secular place where he's probably much more comfortable. But I wanted to, ta- I wanted to talk to this guy. I wanted to say, you know, I know that you share these people's values, but there's they won't accept you, right? Mm. And because it's because in fact they're all motivated by Islam and they've all got very rigid. I mean, if you ask them why they're doing what they do, they start, they start quoting Quran. They don't talk about moral philosophy. They don't talk about you know, well, I think. They say the prophet says, or God yeah. says, or.
0: And there's uh, not a place for homosexuality place within for, that right. framework. And,
1: and there are other people like that that just. Uh, I mean, as long as they lay low and, and stay in the closet, they can be part of the movement. Hmm. So I worry about that
0: I think that would that would make it an issue in certain parts of America for sure. Um,
1: it may already be.
0: <laughs> I'm, i uh, I. don't. I don't figure that there's uh, a terribly strong presence in places like San Francisco. Then or.
1: That would be an interesting thing to find out. Yeah. Um, or
0: perhaps there is, but it it's will,
1: just... It, it
2: would probably lack that focus. You know, it almost, as we were, as I made the analogy earlier, it might be more of a fork version of it. Where no, it's, that's a good right. point. Where it's, yeah. you know, it is really based on let's do some incremental good rather than... Let's, you know, let's have this set of values that we can agree upon. Because yeah.
0: I can see that being um, a splintering issue, though, sure. down the line. As, exactly. as this gets to be a global movement, mm-hmm. as it starts to penetrate regions like Europe and America, the, the question of, of accepting homosexuals uh, will, will be a, a question that the, the Hizmet Movement will have to address at some point.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, uh, I've been trying to
1: press the guys locally on, on issues like that. And, you know, issues about the role of women. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, there are women in the movement, and there are women of very great influence in the movement. Um, In fact, again, in in Diyarbakir, this was a city where I learned an awful lot. Um, I asked, can we meet with some of the women, or is it just going to be, you know, old gray-haired guys from (laughs) now on? And there was a women's group in Diyarbakir, and we met with them. And um, they had a sort of house of their own that they ran things out of. And uh they did things that, that the men couldn't do um, they've you know visited women in prison, for example, mm. um, but it I walked in the door and I noticed there were like seven women there, six of them wearing the hijab, you know, completely covered, uh, except for their face and their hands. very traditional. The woman that ran the thing western dress head uncovered and I huh. thought. Here's another place where there's some wiggle, right? Yeah. You know, um, of course, you know, women among themselves, alone among themselves, don't have to cover. It's only, you know, when you're in front of men who you're not related to. But they were in front of men they were not related to. Yeah, yeah. And she didn't, uh, I mean, there was no question of shame. There was no There was no sort of disapproval from the other women even. So there's a kind of a liberty there that... Uh, hmm. I don't know I just don't know what to make of it.
0: Are, are women allowed to be teachers within the these schools? Oh yeah, okay
1: yeah, a lot of women are in fact uh, that's uh, just like here, um, elementary education is a place where women can
0: dominate can, pretty much yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah that that's uh, the whole women's rights thing is, is something we tend to forget here in America just because we it's sort of in our past we've already done yeah, that yeah. thing and uh, and yet it's still is an issue in many parts of the
1: world. Well, the funny thing is, you know, you talk to these guys. Uh, the, the Hizmet Movement, in theory, is very progressive about women. Hmm. I mean, you talk to them, what does Islam require? And, they, you know, they talk about the equality of rights. They talk about the equality of responsibilities. I mean, things you just would not expect. And yet, at the same time, the guys are wearing short-sleeved shirts and the women are completely covered up. And uh, when I go to things at this cultural center, uh, to, you know, reading groups or, or other kinds of meetings, it's all guys. And yeah. I asked one, so what's what's up with this? Can't the, the women have ideas, right? The women have thoughts. Can't they join us? Well, they have their own reading group.
0: Uh... Separate so equal. so, who, gets those, <laughs> so
3: who, who gets those ideas and gives them to other people? Or do they just, you know, yeah. come up with them?
1: Yeah. yeah, it's kind of a closed system. Well, I asked, I asked once. So, so what's up with that? And the guy said, uh, and he's actually one of the more uh, liberal progressive of the, of the group. He said, well, when we're having fun, we should not mix. When we're being very serious, <laughs> men and women can be together. But when we're having fun, we should not mix. It's just dangerous, he said.
0: It's just dangerous. It's interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's I mean, like I, I don't disagree. That can be dangerous, but... Yeah,
3: exactly. You know, some, people, some people like encouraging the danger.
1: Yeah. Well, the thing is, you know, it's funny. It's, this is something you get from Islam all over. The restrictions on women's behavior is all predicated on men's lack of self-control. Huh. Right? Yeah. Women have to cover because men will get all excited. Women can't pray with men because men will get all excited. I want to say, guys... You're the problem. Yeah. <laughs> How about instead of hijabs for women, blinkers for men? There you go. It's those blinders uh, to put on or, horses. Or just learn some self-control for crying out loud. At least aren't combustible. A,
3: a large portion of the world can handle that. I think so.
0: Well, it, it'll, be, it'll be one area where they're going to have to catch
1: up. Um, yeah, and, and I think they will. I mean, it, yeah. one of the things that's happening is that the guys in the movement are are intermarrying with women from uh, other countries, so the guy I was just yes. talking about is married to a Ukrainian woman, hmm. and she's a Muslim, but there are things she won't do, she things she won't put up with, yeah, and, and, uh, and they're negotiating. <laughs> yeah, she she does not cut.
0: Well, oh, um, we're like, getting, uh, we're getting close to, to five o'clock here. I understand you have to, to head out Dr. Webb.
1: Yeah, I have another place to be.
0: All right. <laughs> well, um, any any closing comments from uh, Kevin or Jed here? Being nice is good.
1: Now well, wait just a minute. I'm not. Oh, okay. All right. I just hate for anything to be unanimous. Yeah. All right.
0: Well, we'll go ahead and uh, we'll go ahead and thank our panel here, uh, Dr. Webb. Great having you on the show once again. Uh, we great really to appreciate be here. your insight on I'm, the subject.
1: I'm always happy to be here. Anytime.
0: Well, uh, Kevin, thank you for skyping in. I do what I can. <laughs> And uh, Jed, thank you for uh, for dealing with the separate audio.
2: Oh, no problem. I have to, I'm not editing it, so <laughs> exactly. thank you for dealing at with the, the separate audio track.
0: <laughs> and, uh, oh, and, and good Linux analogy. I like that you you oh. managed to bring that in. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, bring my expertise in. Everything comes back to computers at some point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: um, you can follow uh, Jed and Kevin and I on Twitter. Uh, Jed is at Linux, N I X. Kevin is at KevSond, uh, K-E-V-S-A-U-N-D. And I am S-Torrents, s Torrance s T O R R E N C E. You can follow Bad Philosophy at uh, Bad Philosophy, slash Bad Philosophy. And uh, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.
3: Ohio is not where I thought it was.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Geography is probably not my best subject. <laughs> <laughs> I could have sworn it was more or less north of Texas. Yeah, it's, it's kind of
0: north. Yeah. <laughs> Northeast. Well, considering too. we
3: traveled east almost as much as we traveled north. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, we drove through Tennessee horizontally. It's a long state horizontally. <laughs> yeah. It is. I've done that.
1: There are more fun things to do than drive through Tennessee horizontally.
0: Bad Philosophy is brought to you by Skype Out and by Apple. Check out their offers through the affiliate section of our website.
1: Badphilosophy.com
3: That's how you know it's a good show.